0: You're listening to the Teaching and Learning Podcast, the podcast where teachers are the learners and come together to discuss how to make the most of their students' learning experiences. Hello, everyone. My name is Jeff Stewart. I am a learner and social studies teacher at Conant High School. Welcome to the Teaching and Learning Podcast. The title of today's show is Equity, And for this episode, I had the opportunity to speak with Mr. Brian Stortz. Mr. Stortz is currently a math teacher and the head football coach at Conant High School in Hoffman Estates. It's his fourth year at Conant, but his 21st year in education with time at Lake Zurich and Rock Island High Schools. In his spare time, Brian enjoys activities with his family, his wife Jamie and his children, Avery, Alexis, Cole, and Ashlyn. They like to play games, sports, doing things outside, and even watching a movie. Thanks for coming on the program I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. What is it like this fall without a football season? <laughs> um,
1: about what two months ago now i I think I had this conversation with my wife and it it was almost a little depressing. Um, I think this is the first time in 35 years that I have not been around football on a Friday or a Saturday, you know, since I was a little kid, you know, every f- weekend we were, we were on a field somewhere and, you know, through playing and then just being able to, you know, be fortunate enough to have a coaching career and being around kids has just been, it's been very different. I will say. I miss the camaraderie of being around people and just the togetherness of of working towards the common goal. Um, but on the flip side of it, I, you know, there's positives or silver lining to everything. I, I've been able to be around my kids more than I ever have in the fall. I've gotten to notice the, the, the leaves change. I was just talking to my neighbor the other day and I'm like, Oh my God, I didn't notice like the weather was this beautiful, you know? He goes yeah, you miss that a lot of the times during the uh, fall because you're you're not paying attention to that stuff. So, I mean, there's positives to it, but really, uh, just not being able to work together with a group for a common goal is something that uh, it is different to deal with.
0: So, if I frame our conversation here for for you and our listeners. So the topic here would be equity, and there's lots of ways that people define equity. If I just used one definition, I would say equity is uh, it's when you create conditions so that all students can be successful in whatever it is that you're doing. and the reason why I think you'd be really interesting to talk to is because I think any successful head coach uh, running their program is just dealing with so many different factors when it comes to Working with kids, and it's their ethnic, racial, educational backgrounds, parent involvement, uh, socioeconomic, and then all the, the minutiae of the decisions that you and your coaching staff makes about just things like your off season program, your your weight room expectations, when you choose like what offense and what defense you're running, you then start to evaluate your the athletes, and you give them roles. And for, it's it's under this guideline that it's fair for everybody and it's and it's equitable Bef, before the last couple of years when the term equ- equity kind of entered kind of the mainstream here. Did you would you describe did you think about that in terms of creating creating this system for for your athletes?
1: Um, the word. Equitable itself, I don't know if that was the the word we used at the forefront of what we've done. I think what we've always thought about is how are we creating opportunities to develop our kids? Um, And I guess that's not a word. (laughs) It's more of a a phrase, but, I, you know, words like fairness, opportunity, um, you know, just to be able to give – kids I guess an equal chance to be successful is how you would look at it but again it, it, it's about laying a foundation where kids are going to be able to walk in with with unequal circumstances uh, because you know kids walk into us and they are not equal that they have different backgrounds they have different uh, levels of ability, for certain things. And how do you take all those and create an environment where they can see themselves develop and be successful? I think, I think is what we're trying to do. So I guess that word has not been the one that we've used. We've looked more at the the holistic picture of, of how we can get kids to become more competent, uh, be positive contributing members to their team society and, and just, hopefully become better people because of what you're, they're doing in our program.
0: So, I mean, it's, it's not necessarily like a program building conversation and that this is a big part of probably the conversation, but how, do, how do you go about, and you've done this a couple of times in your career as a head coach, how do you go about building conditions in a system so that it's, so that it's always been fair and giving opportunities for everybody?
1: Well, I think, first and foremost, uh, you have to lay down some expectations of, of what the program is about. And, and, uh, you know, like you said, I've, I've been a couple places and the first conversation I have with players and parents is, um, you know, I, I'm definitely, I'm, <laughs> there's a book called the winner's manual and it was written by Jim Trussell. And, uh, there's a quote at the beginning of the book and it says, if, If the game of life were to end tonight, would you be considered a winner? And and I'll talk to the parents and the kids definitely about, like, I am definitely about winning. I'm definitely about winning. And when you first hear that, you think, Oh my gosh. But the way that you define winning, I think is, is what's important and wins and losses for me, I can go through and I can list kids and stories you know, the Gus Coons, the, the Jacob Brindley's, the Prince Gavaday's the day days that all these kids that have coached over the years, like those are the wins. And we're, we're talking about how do we lay that foundation? Well, the expectation is you're going to come in and you're going to be treated. You're going to be treated the same across the board uh, as, as far as what you need and kids, take some time to see that evolve when you when you start building a new program because trust and, and believing in one person t- takes a while to build. And I think it all goes back to building a, a relationship and a foundation with kids that you're going to be open and honest with them. I think sometimes that means you've got to have a hard conversation with someone. Um, you know, you got to let a kid know why they're where they're at on a depth chart you know, and, and you don't want to lie to a kid. So you got to be honest with them. So I think it goes back to just uh, character, you know, building things with, with people of the, these are the core values of a good person. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to be honest. We're going to work hard. And through that, we're going to have some great conversations. We're going to have some tough conversations, but we're going to give you the opportunities for you to develop and grow. And if you can look back and you can say that I'm a better person because of uh, the things that we've gone through, then we have provided an equitable opportunity for everyone.
0: Okay. So then that kind of leads me to two questions. So I'll go with the first one then. And that is, I would say in the last decade, you probably, there were things I would say 10 years ago that you probably at one time thought that were non-negotiable. It's like, And you don't want to get into like an if then conversation with an athlete, but it's almost like you've probably had those things where you said you were very close to saying it, but you didn't say it. If you don't do this, you are not going to play or you're not going to be given that opportunity. Is there something in the last decade? So like 10 years ago, you kind of believed it was a non-negotiable that now over a decade of experience in in the coaching job and the teaching job that you've now kind of adjust it. And what would, if, what would that be?
1: I I mean, I even think back to like when, when we were young growing up through our coaches systems of, you know, you don't miss practice. You don't, you know, you miss practice. You don't play in a game. Uh, I, I know some guys even had rules like if you miss the day before, uh, that, that would be one thing for sure that, I've definitely thought through and evolved over the years of, I I think it's, you know, and this might work for other people, but it, 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 it's not how, how we have done it is that there really are not a lot of rules in our program. And I think that at first might sound kind of crazy, but the, the more rules you start putting in, the more corners you're going to paint yourself into. and, it's not that you're looking for a way out, but it's, it's that you're allowing yourself to be fluid in a situation that you cannot ponder. You, you can't sit there, and like you said earlier, you can't list every single situation that's going to happen. So I think one of the things that we definitely have changed is there's not a lot of rules in our program. There's a lot of expectations. You have to live up to an expectation uh you can break rules left and right but living up to an expectation takes a lot of a lot of character a lot of courage a lot of communication and that's what we're trying to develop with with everyone involved in our program so have we had a kid miss a practice the day before the biggest game of their life absolutely and the reasons why they did were warranted and i think that That is something that has certainly changed over the years. And I think uh, just being able to develop that type of culture in your program can actually even make you stronger.
0: So can you describe a conversation, probably you said it in terms of having an open and honest and a hard conversation. Can you describe one of those conversations where an athlete or a student comes up to you and says, you know, I don't think I'm being treated treated fairly. Others, other people are given these opportunities. How do you how do you go approach having that conversation with those with those students?
1: You know, a lot of the times, um, it, if a student doesn't think that they're being treated fairly, it, it's more so uh, that they're looking for a specific position or playing time. And that conversation usually will go back to okay, let's let's compare where you're at, what you've done, the opportunities that you've been given and what has happened with those opportunities that you've had. So have you been able to produce? Have you been given a limited amount of opportunities? How can we uh, work to show you whether you can develop in this spot or you might perform better in another position? I know just in the last year or so, we had a, a young man that has worked extremely hard, uh, wanted to be our quarterback. And there was another kid that, that he he was better at that position. And I had to have the tough conversation with the, the young man that ended up playing for us and starting for us in a major role of the whys and the why nots that it would make our program and our team better. Uh, and once once we went through that conversation, man, it was hard that first time. But the more we talked, the more he understood why some of the decisions were being made that they were. And then you ask the kid, do you believe that you're being treated fairly? And if the answer to that is yes, I think you're doing things right. If, if they say, yeah, I'm being treated fairly, but I just don't, I don't like playing this position. Th- then you have to, you know, talk about some of the things that are going on. But if they feel that they're being treated fairly and they're given the number of opportunities, I think you're doing things right. We have a questionnaire that we give to our student athletes at the end of the season of, you know, various different uh, things to evaluate our, evaluate our program, and that's one of the things that we ask our kids. And I, you know, more often than not, we have kids say that they are be- they are given multiple opportunities to be able to produce and to be able to put themselves in a position to be successful. Um, so I think that we do a very good job of talking to our kids and communicating with them on, on why they're where they're
0: at and, and how we get them better. So let's transition then to, to social justice. Uh, we've had players in the past take a knee during the national anthem. Can you tell us about the conversations that you had with, with those students and and the conversations that you had with the team. Yeah, I think that's um, you know one of the tougher
1: things that I've had to deal with in my career, and not so much because of necessarily the conversation, but the maybe the lack of conversation by outsiders and the view of other people. Um, you know, you want to talk about equity um, or equality, but that the biggest time that this happened was uh when when colin kaepernick was first doing this and there was there was more awareness being brought to the conversations so i had a group of young men in rock island that decided to take a knee and we we had talked about it as um you know a one-on-one conversation with a couple of the players and as it unfolded you know (laughs) It's funny, because that was a very diverse group of young men that we had. Everybody talks about equity and equality. And one of the first things that I would say to, you know, some of those kids is, you know, we're not equal in in ways. I'm a a guy that that grew up in a two-parent household. I'm white, and I'm middle class. And here you are, a young African-American you know, kid that has, has long hair and you got pulled over on the way home. Like, I don't understand that. I never lived in your shoes and I can't, uh, I can't pretend that I, that I did, but having the conversations with those kids and under trying to understand what they're going through and, and some of the things about how the world works, you know, you, you think about like uh, sexual orientation, I, you know, does it really matter what someone's sexual orientation is? I I think what, what you have to do is look at person, a person's, you know, contribution to society and the way that they develop. And those are the conversations that we started to have were, are people actually treated equally? And if they're not, what can we do about it? So that the hard thing about that whole situation was there were people that supported our young men. And then there were people that, were so against what was going on. And, and the thing that, you know, my personal belief was always that I don't like uh, just making a statement and being done with it. Like, what are we doing about it? Like how how can we be proactive and, and helping be a, um, I'm I'm losing the words here, but a, uh, a component for change. Like how do you how do you drive that? So the conversations that we had with our kids were okay. Are 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 these guys treated differently than some of the other guys in the room? And yes, we we had kids on the team that were of you know different religious beliefs, and they were treated differently. Um, And I think that there were times where it almost galvanized our group because they started looking at each other like, man, these guys are dealing with things that I've never had to deal with in my life, and it really brought them closer together in a respect because they actually sat in the room and instead of us talking about how we were going to, you know, beat our next opponent, we sat there and we talked about like the differences and the similarities that we had in our room. And it it ended up really being a great conversation. Uh, It it went to the level of we met with uh, the NAACP and the parents and, and the kids that decided to take a knee. And we we talked about, like, what are we going to do? You know, these kids are getting quite a lot of backlash from one faction, and they're getting a lot of support from another. But really what we're we're trying to do here is these kids want to raise awareness and to develop our community and our society better than what it is. And I think it boiled down to, like, everyone agreed to a degree that America is – is the country that everyone would want to live in you we have more opportunities here than we do anywhere else but we have issues there's no doubt about it we have we have problems and we have issues here and what can we do to move forward and help it and that that's what i think was the best part of of the whole national anthem thing is if you look at it from a perspective of okay you took a knee. Our kids decided what, what they were going to do is they took a knee right before the National Anthem. And as the National Anthem started, they would stand up. And the whole premise behind everything was we want to bring awareness. Look at me, I'm taking a knee because there are issues going on. But we're not just going to stand, you know, sit on our knee and not do anything about it. We're going to stand up and we're going to take action to be more proactive and, and try to make change in what's going on in our society. So I, I thought, wow, you know, a lot of the times we think adults, you know, have answers and things like that. That's one of those times in your career where you sit there and you go, man, these kids, these kids got it. They understand that uh, there's issues and we need to move forward and we need to enact change and we need to have some tough conversations. And uh, you know, I saw it in those days and in those rooms and those conversations within our Whole program, and I think that we left having a better respect, a better understanding for each other's uh, backgrounds, and you know, we wanted to be there for each other more. And I I just think it's one of those examples that everyone can take in society of that that we can do better, and and we need to do better. And I, I, you know, I think it was one of those things where people look at it as maybe this is a, a controversial thing, but it's it's a real thing, and it. And it's something that uh, does need to be discussed
0: I would imagine this the students felt really empowered as a result of the the public display that they were putting together I think then I mean as just like an educator that had to be a powerful experience for you as well I'm sure powerful in terms of a learning experience for you Um, how then did that how does that then translate I mean, I, there's not many of us that have had an experience like that where you know, you're having, you know, working with students in that regard. So how how then has that changed how you go forward as a teacher in the classroom?
1: I think it 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 opens your eyes more to just being being more aware. Um, like I said, sitting there listening to some of these. I mean, I don't know if I would call them horror stories, but just unfathomable things the way people are treated just because of their beliefs or the color of their skin. Uh, You know, I think we had uh, six kids kneel that night and four of the six were straight A honor roll kids. And like I said, one of them got pulled over because he had dreadlocks walking down the street one night. He tells me the story and I'm like, that's unbelievable. This kid goes on to play college football and he's a great, great kid you know that I I think when we have people walk into our classrooms we have to leave we have to leave our backgrounds maybe at the door you know like uh, we have no idea what these kids or anyone's walking in with and like I said I came from a two-parent household how many kids today I mean the divorce rate is is a lot different than what it was probably when we were growing up how many kids are walking into our, our classroom from broken homes? Uh, for, and, and in the COVID era now, how many kids are walking in with so many different things going on that we just haven't had to deal with personally? So I think the way that it's made me change things is trying to get to understand a kid and what's going on with them. Uh, and, and that's tougher and tougher in these days because some of those conversations kids don't want to have you know, in a classroom. So you try to find ways to learn more about all the kids that you're dealing with. Uh, because in the end you can't, you can't treat them all the same. When you say that you are treating them the same, if you're looking them and finding out what their differences are, because certain kids need different needs than other kids. I don't know if that makes sense the way that I said that, but you are treating them all the same by finding
0: out what their specific needs are. Yeah. I, yeah. Sometimes fair is not equal in that regard. Right. So, all right. So we got to, got to move away from the seriousness of everything and we got to play a little game here. So are you ready to play better or best? Sure. All right. Better end zone to score a touchdown at Conant high school, North end or South end.
1: Uh, doesn't matter. Touchdowns or touchdowns. <laughs> Um, if I had to pick one, I'd, I don't know, I kind of like the south end.
0: South end, okay. Better trick play, halfback pass or the fumble ruski? Halfback pass. Why?
1: Uh, because you can use it more. Um, fumble ruski's got too many variables, I think, in it for me. Uh, halfback pass, you can control it a little bit more. Okay.
0: Better food, pizza or brats? Oh. Uh, man, I love my brats.
1: But variety is the spice of life. You can get more uh, variations of a pizza. I'm not answering your questions. i kind no, of no. You not. have
0: to. You got to say it. This it's be- it's better. One of the two. You force choice.
1: Uh, I'm going pizza then.
0: Pizza. Okay. Better quarterback:
1: Brett Favre or Aaron Rodgers? Brett Favre into conversation. Why? Uh, he's the guy I grew up watching my entire life, idolized him. I'm actually a, a diehard Packer fan, yeah. so uh, there isn't a guy I'd rather watch than him. So I don't even know who your second guy was. but
0: <laughs> Aaron <Go ahead>. Rodgers? <laughs> oh, all right. Well, <laughs> statistically, statistic, statistically, I mean, I'm a, Bear, I'm a Bears not... fan. I'm a Bears fan, so I'm going to say you like watching far throw interceptions. Is that what you're <laughs> – <laughs> there's
1: just uh the way he played the game you know and the number of games that he was able to play through toughness and things like that I think you, you look at his teammates they just they love he genuinely loved you could see him playing the game now who do I take into a game I, I would love to take far but <laughs> there is that there is that uh, deal where he might uh, throw an interception. Rodgers is statistically a better quarterback, but right. uh,
0: love watching rod uh far play better what what's the best football movie other than uh, the, your, your other than your last game film what's the best football movie to watch uh you know
1: I think remember the Titans is a great movie I think there's a lot of Really great things going on in that movie. Uh, good family movie, too. Some of the other football movies, you know, you watch, and there's some over-stereotyped things, I think, in a lot of movies. Um, and Sometimes I watch those and I, I wonder. Um, but I, I think Remember the Titans
0: is, is pretty good. All right. Scenario. The coaching staff is playing a football game against the, the high school football team. You're on offense and you got one play to win the game. Who are you giving the ball to? Oh, Janice. Better question. Who are you not giving the ball to?
1: On a coaching
0: staff? (laughs) I will not give the ball to myself. (laughs) Good answer. All right, Brian Stortz, thanks for coming on our show.
1: Thanks for having me. It was really uh, enjoyable and uh, hopefully – Good to talk to you guys again sometime soon.
0: Great opportunity for us to hear from Coach Stortz. I almost feel like we could have done about three different podcasts with the different subjects that he, that he brought up through the course of uh, the conversation. Uh, I think it starts off by his just belief that the point of an educator is to help students develop and grow just to become competent and better people. And in order to do that, he says, you know, it's about building relationships and it's about uh, trust and it's just about believing in each other, you know, with that, uh, the teacher, student relationship. I really liked hearing about the practical application that it's just that you need to have expectations and not rules. And I think with that is just, you know, it's talking about what it is that you value. It's like in, your classroom i mean just sit and answer the question like what is it that you value and that i think students really thrive in an environment where that's the case and there's not rules and with rules i i feel like i think to myself that's a lot of if then statements if you do this then this happens and i could just tell you i i thought a lot about that in my career in the classroom, in my career, coaching basketball, and then now with my own two children who are ages four and five, and it's like, I, you know, it's a tough age, and, I, and it's the same thing as in the classroom. It's like, you know, I don't want to say an if-then, and it's like you get right to that edge, and you got to just stick with, you know, here's what we value. This is what are, we expect, all right, and then having a conversation about that. And that's the one thing he brought up. That could be a whole nother podcast is just about having hard conversations and what that means. And it's okay to have hard conversations. Uh, I also, I mean, we got a, just a glimpse into um, his speaking just about what I would say as a, as a leader in social justice. And I felt like the story that he, that he told us about his experience at Rock Island High School is that, you know, he made it transparent is that he made it, he met with the kids, he met with the parents, and he did it with, you know, in the community. And he talked to them about what it is that, who he was and what he valued. And that, you know, was a way that he could move forward just by speaking about what he valued. So I mean, that's, again, that could be something else to, to come back to him and, uh, and talk about again because uh, that issue is obviously still with us today. So again, a lot to unpack and discuss. I feel like you could just pick one of those ideas that was brought up into that conversation and reflect on it and think about it and think about how you can implement uh, a, a change uh, to your practice uh, of being an educator, uh, put it in practice. So. Thank you for ch- joining today's episode of the Teaching and Learning Podcast. Please feel free to send feedback our way at any time. I, I want to thank Brian Stortz Don't for taking the time today to I join to us and share his experience with us. And I want to thank I you for, a for a listening. I hope you got one thing Until next time, this, I'll speak you're to you. your style was holding rip. Jeans, skin was showing